we must return to the song of the, of the sugarcane cutter, to the gumboot dance of the mine worker, to the song of the street digger and migrant laborer. We must return to the businessman and the hostel dweller, and we must say, life must be lived. This is the first episode of Umoya on African spirituality, hosted by me, Atambi Masola, and me, Melissa Tanopongela. concept of the show is about reigniting and understanding African spirituality in the 21st century. We seek to walk this journey with young and elderly people alike. We will become a nexus whereby Singabandu, we can inquire together. We've identified people from different fields to talk about how spirituality feeds into their daily lives, be they musicians, healers, teachers, scientists, artists, and activists. Set the tone for the series. Our first guest is South Africa's Poet Laureate, the author, freedom fighter, cultural worker, and healer, Ndate Mongane Walisarote. The conversation took place at Freedom Park, where we broached the subject of national healing. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Um, and for us, it was just to learn more about the space, and that's why we wanted to be here. It was your idea actually for us to be here. So we really, really appreciate it. This actually, this is actually the perfect place. I'm glad you said we must come to Freedom Park because Lindau um, is the national symbol for this idea that is a call to healing. So the intention for this, for, for this particular hour or two hours that we're going to spend today is to kind of create the conditions of understanding for the urgency of, of the healing, the need for it. Because Ngapandre, I was just talking to my friend before I got here on the phone and she was like, you know, she'll never forgive what happened in South Africa. She does not forgive, and she's my age. And I said, okay, that's, under, that's an understandable sentiment. Many people have that sentiment. So I think in this hour, we would like to just get into um, why, why, why healing? Why, why should we be doing it? And, and, and how is African spirituality linked to that healing? So how can you connect the two things if they are on opposite ends of any scale? <laughs> start the, the conversations with a very simple question that which is tell us about your name and how you got your name if you can um, embellish us with a story of how you came to be well I think you know that I have two names uh, Mungani and Wali I'll drop Wali <laughs> not talk about Wali but Mungani is a very special a special name for me when I understand why it was given me, you know. Uh, my mother was the apple, her father's apple eye. Is that how it is said? The apple, apple of, of her father's eye. Yeah. That, English, it? it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> but she was, she was very special to her father. Mm. You know? And her father had all kinds of ambitions about her. What he forgot is that women Felt fall pregnant, become mm. pregnant, and she became pregnant, and he was very disappointed. Extremely, and she knew this, and she hid. And me, I was in there. I'm, I'm sure I hid with her too. <laughs> I don't know. 
but his wife then said, no, we must go and look for my daughter. They found her, it was at Bridgman Hospital. That's where she was. They came together. And of course, he was very angry. But when he came there, he did what you're call, you calling over. He had to heal himself and forgive. And when he did that, he then says, if it is a boy, he is me. So he must be given my name. And I'm very proud of that. Very, very proud. I'm very proud because uh, my grandmother was very, very special to me, you know. Uh, it's a story that I tell over and over because, you know, one morning I woke up after I tried everything, and I must have been maybe 21, 22, crucial age. Here my father kept asking me, what are you going to do with your life? Eventually, I looked him in the eye and said, you know what I've decided? I'm going to become a poet. And he said, poet? What is a poet? What does a poet do? And I said, he writes books. No. You think you can eat from writing books? I said, I don't know. Said, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. If you don't know, don't do it. My, mother, my grandmother came to my rescue. She said, my, my, my boy, remember you're my husband, eh? you are going to be a poet. Your grandmother so, said, remember you are my husband. Yeah, I'm named after her husband. Oh, of course, yes, of course. <laughs> okay. Mm. Mm. She said, my boy, remember you are my husband. If you say you want to be a poet, you're going to be a poet. Me and you are going to talk about poetry. Now, this is a washerwoman. You know what is a washerwoman? Mm. She worked for different white people washing their nonsense. And that's where she learned English. So the first poems I brought to her, and I said, here's the first one I wrote. And we had sessions after sessions when everybody was sleeping. So it was my secret in hands. She would say, no, no, no. I don't think you should say this. And I don't think, especially when it came to racial issues or where I expressed anger, extraordinary anger, she'd say, no, you must find a way to contain it, it will break your heart, that anger. Find a way to deal with it properly. And then I would test and test it, and she'd say, that is fine. And as things usually happen, you know, um, I wrote a poem called, What is in this black shit? And I hesitated to show it, but I said, no, I must be honest, let me show it to her. I showed she said, no, 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 don't, 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 don't. I said, no, this one, I'm defying you. So if you get the, the collection of poems called Yakalingom, uh, mm. you'll find it in there, what is in this black shit. But I was really angry, you know, about being black. So I'm black, so what, what happened, you know? Uh, so that's where this name, Mongani, comes from. Uh, until she passed, she never forgot to, to remind me. You're my husband, you can't say things like that. Mm. You think through that thing, I'm my husband. And uh, you know, people say things, but when you watch them, you reach their depths. And I always knew when she said that, that she's asking me to think deeper about anything, you know. If I say to my father, 
you know me, I'm, I've quarreled with God, so I'm not going to church with you. My father gets very angry. Leave my house and what and hell and what? And she says, do you think my husband would say that thing? And I, I'd, I'd say, but I've just said it. I'm not going to church anymore. Go to church, I'll cook for you. And she says, but you must tell me why, as my husband, are you saying you're not going to church? And I said, this God who created everything didn't create us. So why should I talk to him? I don't want to talk to him. If he created us, we'd be living the way we lived. And, I, and we discussed it, you know. So the name is my pride, because I had this wife, you know. <laughs> who had a very special space uh, for me in her heart. She did. She's the first one who taught me about spirituality. But she told me it's a secret. Mm -hmm. you know, she said, I'm going to tell you a serious secret. Uh, this form is nonsense. The issue is in you. I was too young to know and wild to know. Hmm? And she showed me, I'm not going to tell you what she showed me, how to do it. And she showed me and I did it and I said, this is nonsense. Much later, when I was in my late 50s, I remembered. She taught me this thing. And that thing has become part of me. What she taught me. Hmm about spirituality, pursue this thing. And the only way she explained it to me, she said, it's extremely important for you to know who you are. Find out who you are. I know you are my husband, but find out who are you. Mm. Once you know that my, my, my beloved, she used to also call me my beloved, it's over, it's all right. Live your life. Now I find out that it's a long journey towards that. Eh? Mm. It's a very long journey. So you are right to ask, what is your name? Because you're asking me, who are you? So I've told you who I am. Mm. To this wisdom of your grandmother and the wisdom of these grandmothers that they lived with in the most brutal system, we imagine Tina Singabantua what it was like because we were not alive then. They experienced the, the most utter brutality of it all every day as washerwomen, as domestic workers, as gardeners, as miners, as uh, low-class people in, that, in those kinds of societies. And yet I remember one day we had a conversation, must have been about two years ago, where you told me that your grandmother said to you, um, or was it this grandmother that said this, who said that, when we look at these people who are our aggressors, this race of people in this country, white people, we should not look at them as what they show us, but see them as our children. Is it her who said mm. this? Mm. Can you unpack what that, what that meant for you at the time? You know, uh, I find that, that that deep understanding of things was extremely prevalent among our people. You know, at the present moment, I'm working on Mary Ruth's biography. Ruth Mampeti. Ruth Mampeti. Mm -hmm. 
Mumpati. Mumpati, yeah. Mumpati, sorry. Yeah. Now, I discovered this. Uh, First World War is fought for whatever reason. Some British soldiers are here in Freiburg. Middle of nowhere, really. Six of them. When the war ends, they say, we're not leaving, we're staying here. But they stay alone somewhere. The horses, the chiefs there says, no, come here. Here, anybody who stays here has a family, must have a family. So we're going to give you families. And they allocated families to them. And they say, because we must know who you are and why you are who you are. You must know us and we must live together. You can't live separately. Hmm? Mm. So they allocate the families, which means what? Eventually they are going to be allocated wives, which means what? They are going to have children, they are going to stay. Now Ruth comes from that line. Her grandfather is Scottish. And she, when you talk to, when I asked her about her mother, Sally, she would say to me, my mother was an absolutely white woman, even with long black hair, but she was anchored as a Motswana woman and she brought us up as Motswana woman. Now please remember, uh, there is a point also where uh, whoever was white who remained here or who came as a missionary, when he met the Khosi, the Khosi would say, look here, take that piece of land and build a church. Or take, take that piece of land and build a, a, a school, integrating them, you know. So we must ask ourselves, Where does this magnanimity come from? How? Hmm? Where does, and why should we lose this magnanimity? It is needed so desperately in the world at the present moment, and the only place where it exists is here. I must not exaggerate, but maybe it, it, it exists in bulk here. You know, that's why People will always come here. Now I'm saying, uh, it would seem, I mean, I don't know if there is, I, now we have translated, we've translated and said a human being is a human being. I don't know whether this originates in English. But I, I have a, I have a sense when I say it in any of the African language. I have the, the its depth, mm. you know. And I always want to remind myself I must never violate this. Mm. I must find a way, no matter what happened, I must find a way to, to understand it every day deeply and find a way to exercise it, you know. Uh, at the same time, I understand. Uh, you must remember, you see, if you walk around here in Freedom Park and go to the first wall of names, you'll find the story of the Khoisan. And you can see how scanty the story is. You see, that's because 
Somebody had taken a decision. We must obliterate these people. Mm. Yet, if you go to Kapo there, you know, you'll find in Khoisan language, which we've translated into English, a dream is not a dream until it is a dream of the, the community. community. I mean, you know, uh, this is one of the oldest language. It is so advanced in conceptualization of a uh, humanity. Hmm? I can't see how we discard or abandon that space. I can't see. I, I won't. It's painful sometimes to occupy that space. Very painful. But I always say, well, this is where I belong. I belong nowhere else, you know. Uh, uh, and hopefully, I don't know when, but hopefully one day, uh, it will emancipate the human race, hopefully. Hopefully, one day. We'll discover that, no. Like my grandmother, you would have never shifted her there from that. I mean, I would come with this thing. This, I'm saying to you, she was a washerwoman. She went to this house, took the whole bale, should come it carrying it on her head, wash it with her hands, iron it, pack it, take it back to them. The children, the family, the whole family, take this thing back to them, go to another family. That's how she made her living. That's how she educated her children. And I can imagine how they treated her. But she never shifted. She never shifted. When I wrote this thing, I was swearing at white people. When I wrote this poem, What's the Black Shirt? It broke her heart. It really, really sincerely broke her heart. She says, Wanaka, no, man. And I said, no. Um, this is a fight between youth and elders, you see. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you, can, you are not, I've written all the poems that I've said I must read. This one is mine. I make my, I put my signature. I had a signature, 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 signature. No, no, this is not your signature. Please, leave these other poems because you've done good. And I said, no, it's go, it goes in. And it went. Mm. And I came, I gave her the book, and the first thing that she checked was, is it there? And she found it. Her heart broke. And oh. she said, Holukile Manak. Um, so in that sense, I was extremely fortunate. I mean, look, I'm, I'm an elder man now, and I still remember her very passionately, you know? Very, very passionately. I remember her. Um, but I think what, 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 what we wanted to reach is the space where we are now, uh, magnanimity. Let's find it within us. And when I say that, I'm not saying one day don't carry a gun and fight. I'm not saying that. Hmm? I'm not saying that. But even as we do that, we're not going to lose this. You know, we'll do it precisely because we're magnanimous. One of the challenging things has been how it's been bastardized. 
So it's just been left as a word. So as you say, we've now turned it into Isengesi and English just doesn't capture it. So, I mean, your grandmother embodies it, but what are, who else, or what are the other ways in which we can embody it? Because for me, it sounds like it's a practice. It's a daily reminder of your, your, yourself. Mm. And how do we do this? And maybe I'm jumping ahead too much, but okay. if you could just speak to some other examples. So beyond the relationships with our elders, what are the other examples where we can get to the depth of it? Let me allow me to be sentimental and romantic because it's a, it's a very important space that, you see. I'm, I'm always asking myself, what should we have done as African men and women to sit down and talk to each other and remember remember that we can't do without each other. And the levels, it's various levels when I say that, you see, various levels. And at a, certain, at, at a certain point, the answer to that question is very simple yet very complicated because it goes to the same thing. So you sitting there, do you know yourself? Me sitting here, do, know, do I know myself? Do you and I know each other very well? we know ourselves. We didn't get time for this. We didn't get time for this. You know? Um, and at a certain time, because we didn't get time to know ourselves, we do all kinds of things which are not us. And we exacerbate this problem. So there should have been somewhere, it's not a political thing, it's a cultural thing, where it happened and we said, by the way, who are we? Eh? What should we do now? And I'm saying this knowing also that the answer is there. The elders worked it out completely, but we despise it. We despise what they worked it out, what they worked out. You know, it's there, the answer is there. You must go back a bit and look, search. Some of it will discard, some of it will become creative with it, innovate it, so that it works well, you know? But if there are a people who engineered social issues, it's our people very well, you know? And it's for us to be curious and, and go and look for it. Because when we find it, it will tell, talk to us, mm. you see? The elders are still here, mm. let's go and talk to them, you know? Uh, there's, there's somebody who usually tell, tells me about the question of lobola, you know. If you listen to how we interpret it, it's very, it pains you when you know what it is about. When a man and a woman get married and they have children, there is a possibility that now and then there will be a problem between them and the children, the children must not be impacted about this. So the children can cross. If this is the woman, the children can go to the brother of this woman and be his children. That's why about Malome. It's female. Malome is female. And that's why about Tatuba or Rakhadi. The children can cross and go to their mother, their other mother. Look at this. Eh? 
This person always repeats this thing. What is it that we should do to tell our people that don't rubbish this thing, improve it? Because it was well thought out about what? Not this present, which is these two people, but the future of the children. The children must always have love. What do they do after that? Grandparents, paternal, grandparents, maternal, the children interact with them. Why? We say, my grandmother or my grandfather spoiled my child. No. That's where they learned what is love. They were showered with this. Look at my grandmother. They were showered with love. So when they leave this space, they know what is love. When they say to somebody, I love you, they know what they're talking about because they've experienced it on both sides. Sometimes they're with a paternal, sometimes they're with a maternal. They're showered with kisses, with what? If uh, this little boy or little girl cries, she's hugged in a manner, embraced in a manner that she feels this is the only place I belong to. Please leave me alone. I belong here. I used to feel that, that I belong here, but just, your father and mother, just leave me alone. Disciplinaries. Hmm? And you should tell them also, you don't hit my child like that. Talk on and call you. Hmm? You develop a deep sense of this thing. That is this thing, which I must also know, care for, and practice. Hmm? And it's given both sides. So we're building these big families so that there is this crisscrossing in humanness, hmm? in being human. I'm not saying we did not have our faults. We do have our faults, but there is this that we have to, you know? Hmm? And institution upon institution upon institution created. We don't know them, mm. you know? And there are, they created a variety of institutions to care for this thing called human being. It's like the example we spoke about of uh, Ukapa. I was fascinated when she wrote, I said this one, here we go. I was really fascinated by it. I mean, look at that concept. Mm. Yeah? A person must never be alone. Mm. Hmm? It's beautiful. You cannot, cannot be alone. You must be in the company of other human beings. And we create space, language, uh, idioms for that, you know. We create a lot of things to cover the philosophy around it, you know. We cover it with many things and then practice it, you see. This is the deep will to survive. We must survive, you see. And to be seen, because to be human is to be seen. Yeah. And this idea of can Kapunyevinglin, it's not just about mm. walking the distance to the shop. Mm -mm. It's let us be human together mm. in this moment of going to the shop. Let's get intimate. <laughs> You're listening to the first episode of Umoya on African spirituality. And this is our conversation with South Africa's poet laureate, Dr. Mongane Walesarote. How did you arrive at your current spiritual practice? How did you go from being a student in Soweto, jailed by the apartheid police in solitary confinement, um, then you go overseas to America, at Colombia to study, then you come back and you're underground with Umkondo Um and you were a soldier. 
How does a soldier become a poet, become a healer? Well, the sequence is that I became a poet first. Mm. Yes. Mm. Uh, the healer thing, uh, at one time it, 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 was, it was a mystery, but it's not a mystery, you know. Uh, uh, you see, when we were there in Botswana, underground, uh, I always give the example that I would know when to leave anything, any space. I then realized as I was thinking through it that whenever I, I, I leave, it starts with me longing for my grandmother, thinking, hey, I can't disappoint my grandmother. What am I supposed to do now? And it would come and say, move now. Or don't, don't meet that person. And I thought, because I'm trained very well, and nothing to do with training, and I'm not undermining the training that we're given, it was important. But this part of it was not, so when I come back here, I sit and I say, oh, I'm very conscious about how many very fine men and women we've lost. I become very conscious. Because you know what? What people don't know. Uh, people in the ANC would have done anything to free this country. And this, 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 hey, it, it refined us as human beings. And I'm not saying we didn't make mistakes. We did a lot of mistakes. But it, it refined us to be such fine. I know I can quote so many names of very fine women, fine men that I sat and discussed with who are not here, who didn't even see that free South Africa. Who, if you said it is very dangerous there, but we have to go there because it will free the country. It wouldn't have been second thought for them. They would do it. Who, when they were captured, stuck to their guns and said, what I was doing is right. If it means my death, let it be. Hmm? Uh, now, you see, you come into South Africa. You know that the day, uh, 27th April, 1994, ANC has won the elections. So I'm saying, oh, this means we've achieved what we were fighting for. So I ask myself, what must I do now to say to myself, I'm very, very happy? You know what happened? I became very sad. Because suddenly I said, if I was with so-and-so, maybe I would be happy. But they are not here. If I was with so and so, or if I hate so and so, speak. And I couldn't find a manner to be happy. Eventually, I drank myself to death, almost. You know, and that's not happiness. That you know. But now, what am I saying? I'm saying it is those journeys as we came back here, which started making us ask other questions that we're not asking ourselves. You know, and uh, I realized, you know what? My belief is not the church. I love Jesus Christ. I could take Jesus Christ as Che Guevara, you know, and I end there. And I think he was a revolutionary. And I said, but you know, there is something else. My grandmother, 
What do I do for my grandmother who gave me so much? And now it's my turn to say, I am your husband and I'll live like your husband. Whatever definition that you gave to your husband, you see. And that's, so whatever the difficulty faced me, that's my, 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 my salvation. That is my solace, you know. And this suddenly led me, I was telling Uvu Imanyoguti then, a friend of mine, a comrade of mine, the wife, we are twasers. So they phoned me and say, Stella, we are twasers. Look, what is that now? Out of curiosity, Stella But I go there, you see. What, what, what? What are these stories? Your grandmother, what, what? Your grandmother, this, your grandmother. And I'm saying, what is this? Long and short of the story is that initially that's how my journey started. I must tell you a very funny story. One day on a Sunday, I leave home, I say, let me go. Today I want to be alone. And I, I loved fish. So I go to a fishery, sit there, eat. And I come there, there's nobody, it's me only, I'm sitting, I'm eating. After some time, a young black couple come in, they sit there. After some time, a old white couple, I notice them, but I'm not aware I'm eating. I'm taking my time. This young woman stands up, comes to me, and says, you know, now I'm used to that, because, you know, television and what, I'm thinking, I'm going to be asked, I want you alone, please. And she says, Kahuti step, I do not have a message for you. You have a message for me? Yeah. From where? From my ancestors. Oh. And I'm looking at this woman, actually. And she told me a whole story, which I'll tell you outside of this. Tell me a whole story about herself. She goes, she sits down, and I'm saying, hey. As I'm thinking, I hear, I feel that there's somebody here again. That white old lady is here. Suddenly I realize she's a sango. Full regalia. She says to me, that young woman gave me the courage to come to you. I've been wanting to come to talk to you. Now I saw you received her well, so can you receive me well? To say, yeah. And she says, you know what? Your mother must not stop you from Ugutwasa. Your mother must allow you. Who is your mother? So I tell her, my mother, so and so, and how can I reach her? I give her my number, her number. <laughs> Very funny. Mm. Sunday evening, in a fishery, where I was going to eat fish. Minding mm. your own business. Yeah. This white woman phones my mother, asks for her, asks for her address, writes a letter. Please free your son. Your son must find his spirit to heal people. Please let him go. So my mother hides the letter because she does not know what is this about. And when she talks to this one, you know, she tells me when I'm saying to her, Mina, I have, I have to be a sangoma. She says, we've tied up a 
thing. Why did you see a sangoma here? You come here. And I'm not a small boy when she says that. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm a grown up, 58 years old. She says, not in this house. You're not going to do that in this house. And after, she says, and then there was this letter which came from nowhere. I don't know who this person is. Tata Ingwa Tizenu Lama Sango. This letter is this letter, brother. And this became prevalent. Wherever I went, people would, out of the blue, I began to know what they are going to say. Strangers. Strangers. Mm. Now, I'm a stranger in, in, in this sense. I did not get ill. Mm. I hear people saying, ah, cola, I don't know what they're talking mm. about. I mean, I was being initiated by people that I don't know, you know, putting me into this position. Since that time, I'm going to go to Stella. I'm going to go to Stella. And I must tell you another story. You know, when we were there in Botswana, um, we received trained people, facilitate them for them to come in and fight. We received people going for training. On this particular day, uh, there's a group which must facilitate for them to go in to the country. And one of them, I can see, and then after some time, I told each other, uh, Commander, I don't want you to, to mistake this thing. I have to go home now, Mueller, but can I detour with your task? It was the first time we did on the local meet. When then, I think your task and he there. I beg your pants at you. Uh, that is so out of tune, eh? Out of tune with everything that we're talking about. Oh, Tosago. What is a manger in La Panza? Okay, let me think about it. When I say let me think about it, I'm thinking I must consult our Ufunu Balega. Yeah, and I go and ask our chief meeting. Oh, this, this guy. This guy says Ufunu Tosago. And he was our commander, not the one I'm talking to. He says, no, forget about that. Let them go in. This guy goes in. We come back. This is years after we come back. I'm a member of parliament. I'm wearing a suit. I'm from a parliament. Here's this guy. He's VIP protection unit for the what do you think this is? But what is this? It's not So what do you do? What do you do? With these things happening like this, you know? So that's a journey of twice. It has lots of other stories, but that's how it happened. Um, how does that journey lead you to do the work here at Freedom Park and the knowledge and the experiences that you've had in terms of leading you to do this work? Because here it feels like you became a custodian 
of a process and a spiritual process that South Africa had to go through. This so, healing. This healing. Mm. So as a healer, you end up then being a custodian for national healing. The only, the only way I can explain that is to say, I came to understand in spirituality, there's nothing like coincidence. Things happen per plan outside of us. You know, on this particular day, I finished everything that I was supposed to do. And it's the day when I'm going to leave. I don't know why that man always said we must leave at 2 in the morning. But we were waiting for 2 in the morning so that we get in the car, drive. I, they are bringing me back. Me and I, because you see, I would, I would discuss news now. We were sitting under the tree. We used to sit under the tree. I was the only, it was an early privilege like that. We would and would listen to the news, and an announcement happens on the radio. President Mbeki has released Sorota from parliament because he's, he's, uh, he's assigning him to go and build Freedom Park. I'm sitting there on this bench under this massive tree with my mentor. I, I didn't hear it. He said, hey, Baba, what's going on? 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 What is that? And he explains, because the thing was in Zulu, but the person who was uh, the, the announcer also put in English words. What's going on? And that's how it started. So I left. Came back when I'm here. Yes, indeed. Inshallah, Allah mutu gita. Menang safunu gwe parliament. Not I'm no longer parliament material. But if no gwe zanita, I don't know. Must do something else, but I don't want. But okay. Bang for bang. They put me in the board of Freedom Park. I became a member of the board. So I come. Our chairperson was Joe Mudis. How do you put the word South Africa and healing next to each other? How do you begin to, to have that conversation in this immediate period? And again, this question of this magnan magnanimity, what's the rationale behind it? For somebody who doesn't understand that we should be magnanimous and we should be have this Ubuntu driving us, what, what's the rationale behind including people who don't want to be included? And throwing a party and keeping you keep inviting people and they don't show up to that party and in fact but but why don't you why don't you focus on the crime statistics and and fix the the potholes rather than do projects like renaming streets and and making symbols like like Frida Park how do you what 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 do you how do you what do you say to that you know, up to now, before you answered, you asked that question, we said nothing political. Mm. Uh, my beginning of answering you, I'll say this. Besides my grandmother, the only place where I feel I was thoroughly educated is the ANC. No other. Could be, I mean, there are universities, there are what? No, I was not educated there. When, when, 
when I was recruited, I was recruited into the ANC by a very beautiful woman, Joyce Sikakan, who I loved. I thought I was oh. going to, I was, yeah, I must, yeah, I, was, I thought I was going to get married, but to her, but <laughs> she didn't think I'm married. I'm a marriage material, township boy, rough edges, you know. She's a writer, <laughs> yeah. But she recruited me into the ANC, and I remember the first time when, uh, after she said to me, create your underground structure. And I selected my people, and they came, and the first thing that they started talking about was non-racialism. I said, don't talk shit, you know. Non-racialism. How do you, this, and you know, it was my experience. I, just, I said to her, how do you, how do you non-racial an Africana ticket examiner in a train. Because those were racist, you see. Mm. And I saw how they treated my great-grandmother, like a piece of rubbish. You want me to talk? I used to fight in these meetings about I don't want to be non-racial. I want to kill all the white people, that's all. You know, even now, I would die for non-racialism. I will die for knowledge. I lived 18 years in exile, absolutely certain that this is the right decision, which I still take as a right decision now. And you've heard how I spoke about magnanimity and where I think it comes from. So it's a deep foundation for me, you know, uh, very deep. If, if people say, the last thing that I have, which is my life, I'm prepared to extinguish it for this. It's a very serious matter. A very, very serious matter. Especially if, as we were saying this, the racists were hunting us down. Mm. And they would put us down if they found us. Precisely because we believed in non-racialism. They would put us down. And nobody can take that from me anymore. It's over. Why? Because I understand also what my, what my grandmother was saying. I mean, I've described her. She was a poor woman. Hmm? Very poor. Working very hard. Very hard. For what? I must educate my children and free them. And that's the thing that she wanted to give me. You're my husband, here's what I'm giving you. And then I get into politics, I can't see the relationship. Mm -hmm. But because I listened to the elders of the ANC when they described it, I thought, oh my God. I didn't link it then to what magnanimity of my grandmother, but I realized that it is such deep, serious thought that it can't, be, it can't be opposed by anything else, you know? The fact that people must live together. Otherwise, if we don't live together, well, what will happen? What will happen if we don't live together? Because the other side was saying, we're not going to live together. And we saw what happened because of that. So what, what should we affiliate to? And, I mean, we discussed it, I never, discuss it in this hard political way, but I know 
I am influenced by the politics of the ANC in what I do. They are part and parcel of, my, of me. There's no other place where I could have been educated except there. I went into university and I said that, I said, hey, no man, please man. Even now, when I go to university, I still say the same thing. Mm. I, I felt very close to the young people when they said, hashtag, roads must fall. Mm. I wish we could have sat down and really opened it up and talked about it and understood what, what it meant, because the instinct was correct, mm -hmm. you know. How after that they interpret it is a different matter, but the instinct was very, very correct, because it is a magnanimous instinct that they had. We can't, what we're saying here, we can't be educated as anything else but Africans, and then we'll understand the world, we'll interact with the world. That's what they were saying, mm. you see, and it's correct, it's correct. But we should also understand that part of that is this non-racialism. Non mm. Part of that is this non-sexism that we talk about. Part of that is this democracy that we talk about. What is it? Mm. Let's demystify that now. And I always say my duty is to make those three things walk the streets, walk in the squatter areas, jive there, you know. And if there's anything that my writing must achieve, is that. Let this non-racialism, non-sexism, this democracy go and dance in the squatter areas and emancipate those people, you know, and dance in the suburbs hmm? and emancipate those people. If there's anything that I must live for, it is that. And it was also something that I, if I had to die for it, I'd have died for it. Mm -hmm. So, us, the three of us and the, the other gentlemen who are here, we're creative people. The duty that we have is, how do we take these hardcore concepts, break them, so that they can be part and parcel of everyday conversations? What must we do? Mm. Part and parcel. Starting with tribalism, Start going into the relationships between men and women, which I think we are, we misunderstand completely. Addressing this whole question of race, addressing the question of democracy. What what why is democracy so important? Where else in the world is practiced? By the way, there's nowhere else in the world where it's practiced. The ideal democracy, Aiko. Aiko, nowhere. But we've given it to ourselves to say, here's something that we know uh, is a treasure for, the, for human life. You see, we've taken it as South Africans. And look when we took it, how the world loved us. Hmm? We, we just became a pool for the whole world. That's why, I mean, uh, the ANC was able to mobilize ordinary people in the, in the world. You know, if you went to America or you went to, to Britain, you'd go into remote villages and find old ladies saying, we're not going to buy wine from South Africa. We're not going to buy these outspent oranges from South Africa. We're not going to buy the peaches from South Africa. And in, in, in the rain, in the storm, demonstrating, South Africa had touched 
the main thing within the human race. What was that? Why? Why? How can we give it away like that? You know? We were trained as soldiers. I think we are the only ones who fought. As I handled the gun, I knew I am fighting a restricted arm struggle. What does that mean? I'll never shoot somebody because they are white. No. I'll defend human race through this gun. Imagine who could have come here and shot all the white children in, in crutches, in schools, you know. No. We're fighting a restricted armed struggle. It's contradiction in times. You know? But it's correct. Hmm? Some of our comrades deviated from that at a certain point. And we arrested them for that. Also, there were mistakes that we make where you put a bomb and kills people. That's not us. That is not us. Us was to what do we do to stop the economy from functioning through armed struggle. Later it became what do we do to go face to face with the security forces and shoot each other. But never the civilians, black or white, never. If you did that, you have transgressed. Mm. However, I must say to you that the past nine years of this country is contradicting that. It's contradicting non-racialism, it's contradicting democracies, you know. It is defiling the whole policies that were built in blood and suffering to create this country. So we must return there. We must go and find that and replace it in this country. We saw how the world respected and loved us. We touched the world. Imagine if the past nine years we had deepened this thing, mm -hmm. would have become the world itself. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. people would, would feel the, the, the pull toward a human reality, you know? They, they responded. Our constitution is the most respected in the world, loved. People emulated the manner in which we negotiated the, the foundation for creating a nation is studied by everybody in the world who is in conflict. The leaders who participate in those discussions are called every day, come and assist us to, like now in the Congo. There's a potential of a war there. They've come here in South Africa and said, come help us solve this thing. We don't want to go to war again. There's a problem in Venezuela now. I will not be surprised if our people are approached. Come and assist us to resolve this thing. We are friends with the people who had this magnanimity in the world. Our country was, had an affinity with magnanimous people in the world, you know? To the extent that they did extraordinary things to ensure that this thing becomes a success. And they were white people. Hmm? So, I think it's a treasure we cannot afford to drop. We must nurture it. Mm. It's difficult. Mm -hmm. hmm? There's been lots of spinter groups away from 
this thing, say, I for tech, we're not going to do that. I'm moving away. Fine. It's our choice. But, you know, we stay here. We want to make this thing real for life so that life can be nurtured. Outside of this, life cannot be nurtured. You know? Yes. Hmm? Mm. Yeah. I think perhaps it starts with asking the right questions. Hmm? I think a lot of a lot of how we make sense of the realities around us is by is by asking the right questions or asking big questions. And I think sometimes we rush too much to want to say we know the answer mm. without having thoroughly thought about thought it. Thought through it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to read just a small uh, passage um, from one of your characters from your last book that you wrote, Ooh, Revelations, mm-hmm. um, in which a Brashop, who's like the, the main character. Shope. Shope. Mm-hmm. And they're busy discussing South Africa's transition from democracy, from, from, from apartheid to democracy. And uh, Brashope asks uh, the group these questions. He says, what is justice? Is it punishment? Is it truth and reconciliation? Truth and forgiving? Or truth and compromise? And what is punishment? Is it humiliation? The instilling of fear? Is it to teach? To warn? To set an example? Which of these does man fear and try to avoid? And then the young woman, Demagatsu, responds, I think human beings want honor. To be punished is to lose honor. This passage really touches me. I always return to these questions. Because Ingati, as I move in understanding, um, and I think that I'm not speaking for myself only, as we move in, 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 under, in experiencing the, the realities of the aftermath of apartheid, we, we really have to do the work of really thoroughly excavating these questions. Nyani, what is justice? We say we have social justice movements and we have justice advocates, but what do we actually want? Do we want equality? Do we want, or, or do we want liberation? What's the difference between equality and liberation? Um, how do we define power? Um, is power the ability to be able to have a house at Danefern and to become uh, the driver of a BMW and to have a house in Plattenberg Bay, who defined power and joy and happiness in such a way? And how do we as Africans, who have now stepped into those roles of having boats and cars and access and privilege and, and success in many ways, how do we define power for ourselves? Let, let me pose this out of reality now. One day in this country, me when on that day I was in Mosina because I was in uh, uh, Mapungube, you know. And then I heard Tabombeki is going to resign today publicly. I rushed from where I was because there were no television. Got to this bar, sat there, and I listened. I was sitting there listening. Now, being an African person who's been active in politics, I know this is a touch-and-go movement moment for Africa. Usually that's when bloodshed happens. Rampant killing of people. But when I was driving, it was a long distance to drive from Mapungube to Mosina and then to this bar. I had absolute confidence that there's not going 
There's not going to be any war in our country. He's going to resign, and it's for real. I can tell you out of the one billion Africans who live in the country, nobody would have had that confidence if you're not living that moment here in South Africa. I, I was very confident. And when I get into the bar, I find a lot of ANC people are sitting there. All of them frightened. Bangbos, what do you think is Tewo going to say? And I was shocked why they don't know. Why? What do you mean? Tewo is going to resign me. And there he resigned. What am I saying? Honestly, you know, uh, it's a... It's a moment that we should fathom with all our being to understand it. What informed this man to do this? You know, he could have uh, commanded the soldiers. Yeah, soldiers respected him, they knew who he was. Could have commanded a lot of people and said, we're not taking this nonsense. He didn't. He thanked the nation. And he said, I will resign, and he resigned. Without fanfare. I think that was justice exercised on behalf of the people of this country. He was wronged, you know, terribly wronged. He could have decided on vengeance. But because in my understanding, I knew that Tabo understands uh, uh, justice, understands freedom, understands peace, that they're interrelated. I said, uh, in my head, I said, he'll exercise them. He has the mind and the demeanor to exercise that. We are fine. I don't know where we're going after that, but we're fine. Nothing like that. I was very confident, and I told those people in the thing. Some of them were asking the question in a very mischievous manner. But I was, I, was, I was confident, you know? So you're asking what is justice, you know? Me, justice is not something that stands on its own. For me, it will stand then to the magnanimity of people. It will stand to the peace that the people want and, 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 and always love and desire. Hmm? So when you execute justice, these are the two points which must control. How are we going to protect freedom? How are we going to protect peace of our people? Now, peace is what? As with everything, there are contradictions in everything. There is negativity, there is positivity in peace is to know when, which one, at what time do you protect and defend. Same freedom. You know, I can exercise freedom by saying, I'm free to do what I want with them. But if you understand that there are two sides in it, positive and negative, and I must find a way to balance the two at all times, in this freedom, in this justice, in this peace. At the end, the, the, the issue is, has what we're doing uh, protected and defend life or not? That's the major thing.
But none of these things exist independently. They interrelate at all times. Judge sitting there sentencing somebody must remember, you know, this person may come out that side full of vengeance. What do we do to say you wronged? This is what we do with that. But because we understand that you will come out again, we give you a chance. What must we do? How do we balance these things? But justice must promote peace. Peace must interrelate with justice. Peace must interrelate with freedom. Justice must interrelate with peace, with freedom. Those things must consistently be looked at and inform us how we handle anything. You know? Uh, uh, there is a prevalent view in our country that men wronged women at the present moment. What must we do now? The manner in which we handle that either will secure a peaceful country in the future or will destroy the country. The choice is ours to deal with it properly. You must find a way to deal with it properly and say, well, uh, I'm not going to dictate how we should do it, but I'm saying uh, it is very important for us to be so objective when we deal with that matter. Look backwards, look now, look into the future and say, if these three things were still to exist side by side, peace, freedom, justice, how do we execute this? Which is facing, which is this difficult problem that is facing us. What, what should we do? Me, uh, that's my translation, both as, a, as an activist, a political activist, as a former soldier, as a, as a creative person. That's how I want to deal with this matter, understand and say, how do we make this concept walk the streets now? Mm. So that we all have a deep sense of it. Because if we do, we respect each other. But first we'll know, I'll respect me by knowing me. Mm. Hmm? Can you say more about that? Because, I mean, you write about reconciliation as a consciousness. So there's this consciousness and then how it walks the street. Um, and reconciliation has become a swear word in our country. I we know. don't want to hear that word mm -hmm. anymore. And I don't know, and, 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 and perhaps I think part of it is because it's been bastardized. It's another word, of, one of those words that have been bastardized. But when you were conceptualizing, what was the, I mean, you even used the Afrikaans word, do not Do not It's an Afrikaans word. But just the, the, the depth of that consciousness and how it, it, it also relates with freedom peace and justice. Mm. No, but look, um, there was a moment when it became very, very clear in South Africa that we have reached an impasse. There was one of the mightiest war machines in this country, but it could not solve anything. Mm. There was us in guerrilla warfare and us having mobilized the whole world behind us, and we could not do anything. So what must happen now? It was a touch and go moment, you know? And we offered, they said, we want to build a country, 
a nation which is non-racial. If you remember, before, before the Kodesa set, there was a referendum of white people in this country. 1992. And they supported that position. Why? Mm. They hate something. They didn't say, let's shoot to the last. And by the way, even within us, there was that thing. Our army was almost dividing into two. One saying, armed seizure of power. Others saying, no, we create an army for a political objective. So we've reached a point where the army must come down a bit, the political objective must take over. And that objective is, let's build a South African nation, which is non-racial, which is non-sexist, which is democracy, democratic. And that fell on the world's ears. They had it, and it was something which everybody was craving for. And they said, that's the only reason why the, the, the Codessa happened. The, the Nationalist Party realized we can't, we'll be isolated further if we refuse this thing. I can say now, as we're sitting here, that I don't think it was done in good faith with some people. Because they gave in, but they did not give in. Mm. And that's why we, we are where we are now. You know, we are being rubbished the way we are being rubbished. And the political way that we must use is that the past nine years were counter-revolution. Everything that we had lived for was being destroyed. Please understand that and understand where is the source for this. You are trained researchers. Go and find out and say, where, where, if it is true that there was counter-revolution, where does it begin? Where did it begin? And why? What, is it, what was its objective? The answer is nowhere else but here, where you are living, this country of yours, mm. which you so love. It's here, the answer for that is here. But the past nine years was counter-revolution. They were undoing everything that we had gained as a liberation movement, as the people of South Africa. Because the people of South Africa made a choice. That's why they went out in hundreds to win vote. For what? For what they believed in. And gave power to what they thought stood for them. Somebody sat somewhere and said, this, we don't want this, we're going to destroy it. And the first point was what they did to Tabu. And you see, when I say these people, are, they say, you're I'm not Mbakiite. I, I align myself with his thinking. I have no contradiction with his thinking. And I'm not saying he's an angel. No. If I had a chance, I'd argue with him about certain other things, you know. He's not an angel, but broadly speaking, the manner in which he thinks is the manner in which all of us must find a way to think and make that thought become part and parcel of every South African. Because there's no other answer other than that. Aiko. Mm. Please don't be fooled. Aiko. And I'm not saying this is the be it. After we've done that, we're going to find even here there is this problem, there is this problem. It's finally see Lungis. 
but that is for you, that. Good luck. <laughs> you know, allow me to go one day in Italy I must smoke a pipe, have a glass of whiskey here, oh, I don't know now. I've done what I could. Mm. Thank you very much. You know. But I'm serious mm. at, at the same time, you see. We we lived through counter-revolution for almost ten years and we were not aware. We were not aware. We kept saying, but something is wrong. What is this? What, what changed what here? What is this? Do you see that as a spiritual and metaphysical condition as well? How does, I mean, we see it as a political fight, but what do you think, can a, what can a spiritual response to that Spiritually, be? we should address what you have been asking me. What is reconciliation? Mm. Spiritually, we must sit down. You know, uh, Minister, I always talk about, the last time when I was talking to you about forgiveness, I said, in Sisutu, they, they, they define it so graphically. But when I say that, I'm saying, this horrible thing that you did to me, which I did to you, I'm giving you to handle and decide what you want to do with it. Mm. That's what it Patel. means. Mm. Bambel. Yeah. Somebody raped this person. This person was a Ntsarel. Think about how I raped you and all of these things, and let's talk after that. And you must sit down and think through this. Why should I do that? That's what it means. So there is a, a component like that in reconciliation. The Boers, the people who were in the forefront of this apartheid and colonialism. But the Africans, what are you going to do now? So we should sit down and say, well, let's think through it. What happened, actually? In other words, if we were going to resolve this thing, what needs to be corrected for ourselves and for the future? What needs to be corrected? La, we then created Codesa. We said, everybody who said, I represent this, and this, they sat in one room. Was is long, but consensus of consensus. What I want about they are struggling. They are in serious trouble. What do we do with this? You know? They were saying consensus of consensus of consensus. Eventually, they got something right. And the nation created its symbol, Matumatiba. And he walked like that symbol and spoke like that symbol, a promise that there shall be reconciliation. And we rallied around him. 
we must never forget Uguti. Somebody in the world came like that with that same charisma and caused world wars with Hitler. Mm. We must not forget, we've been given the, the tools to deal with this thing. So we must listen with three ears. Even me, what is he saying, this guy at Kulmarangak? You know, because we can couch things and say things, and you know, but can never fool people. We will never. So the best is go to the truth. Or I believe in reconciliation. I don't know what it is, but it looks like it's a promise. So let's find how we make it a promise that walks the streets. You see? And I'm talking like that because now there's lots of talk in our country. We must develop that hearing. What is this actually that they are saying? How is it going to give my child peace? Measure it. How is this thing going to be good for all these people who are living here? How? Have a measurement. And it's a training that you get, you know, by asking questions, by discussing as we are, by keeping certain company, you know. Hmm? Eventually come to no, no, this, no. This, no, this is an experiment we can get into and find how it works, you know. You're listening to Umoya on African spirituality. And this is a conversation that we had with Ndato Mungani Wale Sarot. Do we know who we are? Frank Kuhlman, when I think... Ukpatha is one of the most honest moments. If I'm a rapist, I must tell my, 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 uh, otherwise leave that thing alone. It's one of the most honest moments that I must say, hey, my grandmother's name is Leah, but I called him Mme. I'll go to her and say, Mme, this is what happened. I understand it in this way, in this way, in this way. But it sits this way in me. And I'm trying to find a way to say it must sit the way I would know and not be ashamed to come to you as your husband. I talk like that with her. And once I get it right, it's over. You can't shift me from that. Hmm? So, what is it that we want? There has never, there's been very few moments where the world rallies around a people. Very few. And we South Africans have experienced that moment. And the whole world, even our enemies, rallied around us. Let's ask ourselves why. Why did the world rally around us and say, this is right? Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan, people who are calling our leaders terrorists. Hmm? They rallied around us. Why? What, 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 what was this thing that they realized we have no choice, whether we like it or not? You know, the first uh, inauguration of Gamatiba, I was standing at a place there in, at the Union buildings. And I didn't realize it until 
the stem was, I mean, the national anthem was sung. And then we came to the Africana part, and I heard somebody say, Oh, you're hot. Oh, you're hot. You're very stem. Oh, hot. I mean, this person was humbled by this moment. That these people that I thought were going to kill us, they've integrated the stem into the national anthem. And she was weeping. You see? Something happened. Something there happened. And I looked at her, and we looked at each other. She was, you know. What is it that we did right? It's there. And that thing is in you, it's in her, it's in me. It's there. Let's, let's touch it once more. And say, this is where we're going back to. This is what we want. And in the cities, we did it. It's not a mystery. It's we did it. You know? We should discuss it, find it, recreate it, bring it back among us. And this time, and say to it, which means when it vanished, it didn't walk the streets. It remained somewhere, someplace. It didn't walk the streets. Now, our commitment is that this thing, Who, who you was asking me the question that you asked me? But if this place is what I think it is, why is it so empty? Isn't that telling? You would come here, you would not space have space to walk, because every day for that twelve years, packed with people, starting from when there was nothing. We used to sit on stones here. It was a mountain. We used to sit on stones. But I'm telling you, if you if you look at the films, they are there in the in the archives. You will see lots of people in and out and in passes. What? Uh, we didn't realize when it was uh, something was eroding us until it is empty. Now it's empty now. It talks to what happened to us, you know. Because we're empty, mm. we're, we're in limbo, we're looking for ways out. And it's okay, let's be skillful in doing that, you know, in looking for a way out. Mm. Well, you know, I haven't read in a long time, eh? I don't know where it will take us. I won't read it for long. I just picked it up now. Shall I read? We must return to the song of the, of the sugarcane carter, to the gumbo dance of the mine worker, to the song of the street digger and migrant laborer. We must return to the businessman and the hostel dweller, and we must say, Life must be lived. We cannot and shall not return later. Later will be too late. We must return now. We want to drink, eat, and know. We want to return to life in the land of our birth, the land of the mango and the land of the pineapple, in the land of the, of the banana, 
of the red and white grape, we want to return there, to this land of large and chains of mountains, this land of hillocks, in this land of the sea and the fish and the shark, in the land of the millimill, in the land of the millistock, the land of the diamond and gold. We want to return to the cheetah with its stare for life, and the monkey with its thoughtful pose and dexterity, the baboon, the giraffe with its grace and sight into the distance, to the speed of the gazelle and its shrewd innocence, and to the ugliness of the beauty of the crocodile, to the strength of the elephant and buffalo, and to the spirit of no surrender of the hyena, we must return to the last last of our life, where we last and last with love, living in the song of lust, in the sound, the rhythm and dance of drum and the violin, the trumpet and the piano, we must return to the music of our life, where the song shapes us. We must say, this is who we are in life and in death, when we have lived in the full heart of a dream and in the full dream of a desire. It is we who must have lived the conflict of life and in the, in the last days of our life, when we hand over time to the young and past, let them remember us with the glitter of our eye, which says hope is hope when it speaks in silence. Thank you to Freedom Park for hosting our interview. Umoya on African Spirituality is created by Atambile Masola and Melissa Tando Pongela. Together with our production team, Kakhisom Nisi as the producer, Tabang Maluleke, the videographer, and Nabagaz Manzi, the executive producer. This episode was edited by Spamanda Yende. The title of our theme song is Tuli Mama by Tabang Tabane from his 2018 album Machale. Umoya on African Spirituality is a Kaya FM podcast. Look out for new episodes every Thursday at 1 p.m. on kayafm.co.za. <laughs>